Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's called The Science Podcast. And these are a, a couple of atheists that run this podcast. So I thought you'd be interested to hear what they say. This is only one little bit. So it's like it's over half an hour. And I couldn't play you the whole thing because I'd have to have so many beeps in it bleeping out uh, the expletives. Because you can't pray in the shit's of space. This week's episode of the Science Enthusiast podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby is your one-stop shop for all your arts and crafts needs, but there's so much more. Hobby Lobby can also help you with picture framing, jewelry making, fabrics, cards and party wear, baskets, and smuggled black market relics from Iraq. Because if you haven't already heard, Hobby Lobby, of course, uh, spent about $1.6 million on bringing in illegal relics from Iraq. Part of their official statement on the matter of this uh, was, our entire team is committed to the highest standards for investigating and acquiring these items. I don't think that's true, like demonstrably so. Our passion for the Bible continues, and we will do all that we can to support the efforts to conserve items that will help illuminate and enhance our understanding of this great book. And of course, they're talking about the Bible because they're trying to build some sort of weird fucked up museum because, you know, as for-profit companies do. But, you know, who am I to judge? But as Hemet over at Friendly Atheist pointed out, uh, the religious white doesn't seem particularly upset about this and nobody's really protesting, speaking out against, you know, a what what amounts to U.S. Christian company uh, essentially supporting terrorism. And that makes sense. Uh, why would we care about a company that claims to be Christian but picks and chooses which of the Ten Commandments to follow? <clears throat> Thou shalt not steal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, maybe definitely, absolutely, likely, totally donated funds to a terrorist group or groups, you know, like ISIS, uh, because we're not fighting them or anything. So, you know, who cares? At any rate, hello and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan Broadbent, and you will you will note the lack of partner in crime this week, Natalie Newell, who is normally here. She is, I guess, again, on assignment, but we do have a recording, uh, record, recording interview already done, conducted, recorded, <laughs> I guess. That's going to be coming up with uh, Callie Wright of Gaytheist Manifesto and Query. Uh, so we got that to look forward to. We also wanted to give a quick shout out uh, to Marissa McCool, uh, since she's going to be having her 100th episode as a live show uh, this coming weekend uh, featuring... Of course, Callie and Eli Bosnick for another show, Chris Cluey for another show, and hopefully future for another show, uh, Thomas Smith. Uh, Thomas, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, we have a God of the Week that I will be doing uh, solo. Uh, this week, our God of the Week is, I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, Erebus, Erebus, E-R-E-B-U-S, uh, who was basically one of one of the main five first beings in existence. Uh, of course, born of the god Chaos, because, you know, as you do. Uh, he's basically the personification of darkness and has been considered to be the first recorded instance of the place of darkness between Earth and Hades through all souls travel after you die. So, I mean, I guess you can kind of say it's kind of like my sense of humor when I'm alone by myself or, or even around other people. But he's kind of one of the lesser known ones, which uh, I wanted to go for. But 
Also, of course, because he's lesser known, there's not a whole lot written about him that that I could at least easily find. Because, you know, of course, these are all absolutely true stories. These things all happened. All these gods are real. And we're not making fun of them. We're just repeating facts that, uh, you know, anybody can go out and find on the Internet. A fun fact about this guy is it says there are multiple different uh, kind of origin stories with him. So it's not really clear, you know, how he came into existence other than being born of chaos, I guess. But uh, it completely matters because it's totally true and completely happened. So after a quick break here, we are going to have our interview with Natalie. Thank goodness, right? Because I'm sure you guys didn't want to just listen to me all, all night. We'll have our interview with Callie Wright of Gatheus Manifesto and Query. According to her Twitter bio, Callie Wright is a trans woman, atheist activist, LGBT activist, eater of ice cream, watcher of Star Trek and Doctor Who and the host of the Atheist Manifesto. According to me, she's one of the best podcasters out there. Um, listen to her new show, Query, as well as Atheist Manifesto. And we are super stoked to welcome her to the Science Enthusiast podcast tonight. So, Callie, welcome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I have to amend that bio now because since I had my weight loss surgery, <clears throat> uh, Sugar and I don't really get along. So... Um, <clears throat> Not so much an eater of ice cream anymore. Oh, so I was going to say, we had so much in common for like a second there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I screwed that oh, up. I screwed man, that all up for you. I apologize. Ruined I'm the sorry, mystique. so I just, yeah, I presented the alternative fact um, bio for Kelly, so I apologize. We will, we will be absolutely factual moving forward. Um, so tonight, we, I think the general focus of what we're going to talk about is storytelling, though, <clears throat> we can meander and divert wherever, you know, the conversation takes us. But um, so I want to start, though, with with your story. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of our audience knows who you are and is listening to stuff you've done and is familiar with your work. But, you know, I like I like an origin story. Like, what what brought you to us here? Or what I was bitten by a radioactive spider. OK, awesome. and that's how trans people happen. So that's my <laughs> science. That's it. Right. That's um, it. Right. So no, I, um, I've been an atheist since I was like 16 or 17 and I never really thought too much about getting into activism and stuff until I eventually started listening to atheist podcasts. And um, then, you know, I came out as trans and I started getting involved in local LGBT activism and uh, noticing how just overtly and uh, in some ways very hostily, if that's a word, religious. And um, there were a couple of times where I, I was in, in spaces and I was just thinking to myself, like, I really do not feel like I'm welcome here because I'm not religious. Like, it, it didn't feel like this was a community that was for me, too. And um, there were a couple of, of sort of main events uh you know one was uh there was a, a commitment ceremony at this rally and uh, a, a priest said in marrying these 10 couples these 10 gay couples uh before this was before uh the the marriage equality decision it was a, basically a commitment ceremony that was part of this protest rally and he was like if you don't know god you don't know love and if you don't know love you don't know god and i was like wow that's a really aggressive thing to say given the company <laughs> that that we're in here you know um <clears throat> And uh, and then uh, when uh, Leela Alcorn died, who's uh, for those who don't know, seventeen year old trans teen girl, who uh, ended up committing suicide because of being uh, bullied by her parents and sent to conversion therapy and isolated from her friends and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know th that set me off. And then 
uh, we were at a vigil and there was an affirming priest there that was like, I believe God was a first responder on the highway that day. And I just thought to myself, my God, what a disgusting thing to say. Like, <laughs> because from a religious point of view, like I get it, right? Like I, I was never like a hardcore, like fundamentalist Christian, but I, I kind of understand what they're saying by that. You know, she's comforted in the arms of God now that like I get what what she was going for. But what I heard was the God that you believe in doesn't care to intervene until after this girl has already killed herself. Like he sat by and watched the the bullying and the torture and the conversion therapy and the being isolated from her friends and decided to show up after she's dead. Um, so that was like, for me, that was the crystallization of, you know, atheism, secularism and LGBT stuff that like, I have to do both of those things and they aren't necessarily separate entities. Like they have to go together in some way. Um, and then, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I have an audio engineering background and I like having conversations with people. So a podcast kind of seemed like the natural medium for that. So I was like, Hey, let's, let's, let's do this and see where it goes. So that, then you started with Gatheist Manifesto and how long have you been doing Mm -hmm. that for? It has been two and a half years, roughly. It was was two years in February of this year. So two years and four months, I guess. Um, Ari, I think, has been on for about half of that. Um, I I had two other co-hosts initially who who are no longer with us, uh, people that I love dearly. And uh, I flew solo for a while. And then uh, I got to know Ari. uh, We became friends on Facebook. And um, I had them on as a guest once. And I really, really liked them as a person and their uh, contributions. I thought, you know, really funny, really intelligent, really uh, lots of really good contributions. Uh, Being a non-binary person from a perspective that I don't necessarily have. So I thought there there was a lot there. Um, so I was like, Hey, why don't you come be my co-host? And they've regretted it ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the audience I know loves the two of you. So it seems like a really good combo. (laughs) So, and so I, so I've been listening to to your show for a little while now. I have not heard the whole back catalog, but, um, something that has always struck me is in, in your episodes, you, it feels like you are telling a story and, I remember listening to um, to the episode you did, which was essentially your um, it was your talk at uh, NanoCon. Was that the mm-hmm. Nashville Nuns um, yeah. conference? And you you played the talk that you gave, and that's where I listened to that and thought, okay, she knows how to tell a story, and she knows how to you know get people to listen and and just sort of humanize the activism in a way, like to connect with people about these issues in a way that just makes it feel personal. Can you talk a little bit about that talk, the inspiration and just sort of where that all took you? Yeah. So, I mean, I've given a lot of talks in a lot of places and it's usually some version of like a trans 101 mixed with an atheism 101 mixed with a like, here's why this intersectionality between, you know, atheism and secularism and LGBT stuff matters. And, um, in, in, you know, sort of a smattering of like, we'll hear a couple of stories that are relevant to that. And like, I really just wanted to do something different. And I was just kind of thinking like, well, what, what can I do? Especially because I knew, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I was on the main stage, but I wasn't one of the headline speakers and you know, like Matt, uh, Matt Dillahunty or JT Eberhard. So I, I had, I, I think they told me I had like 15 or 20 minutes. So like, I'm obviously not going to get up there and, you know, do a PowerPoint in this huge, like overarching presentation or whatever. And so I was just thinking to myself, like, what, you know, what do I want to do here? And 
I, uh, I was listening to the Moth Radio Hour <laughs> um, because I'm an NPR nerd. And I thought to myself, like, what if I told a story like that? Instead of giving a talk where it's like, here's a bunch of talking points and here's a bunch of facts. What if I just tell a part of my story that is relevant to, you know, it being an atheist conference? And, uh, and, and I, and I thought like, well, the most, uh, the most obvious connection is my fundamental Pentecostal, fundamentalist Pentecostal grandma and why we don't talk anymore. And, um, it, it's interesting in that context because me being an atheist is not the reason we don't talk anymore. Um, so, so I, I thought, you know, why don't I do that? Because part of me feels like if I'm not stepping outside of my comfort zone, at least a little bit, then what I'm doing is probably not worthwhile. And, and you know, that doesn't mean I'm like, you know, Hey, uh, I, I need some, I need some listens. I'm going to go punch a baby. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, nothing, <laughs> it's nothing like that, but like, I just, so that's not I, what I, I thought like we were going to be to... punching for a second. Anyway, that's a, <laughs> that's another podcast. <clears throat> right. Right. Hashtag not all dance. <laughs> Um, but I, but so I just thought to myself like, well, you know, what are the things about this story that are, that are relevant? And, um, and, and I know there are, there are so many people in that audience who will be able to relate to not talking to a family member anymore because of being atheist or even because of being some flavor of LGBT. And a lot of what I like to do with my activism is to trigger empathy and sympathy and, and trigger the feels, right? Um, so, so the idea is for me to tell a story that's relevant, but that people who don't share my experience in being trans can still relate to in some way. So they know, you know, me coming out as trans and my grandma not being okay with that. They don't know that specific thing, but they know what it's like to say, Hey mom, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God anymore. And mom thinking, well, that automatically means you're a terrible person and I don't want anything to do with you anymore. So it, it creates a connection. And that's so much of what I try to do is I try to draw those parallels and, and say things like, you know, not that these experiences are the same, but that there are parallels that we can sort of understand each other a little better and, and empathize and sympathize with each other's experiences and be better at listening to one another and trying to understand one another. And, um, it, and I just thought that story would be kind of a perfect venue to do that. And it was also just, I'd never gotten up in front of a crowd and done something like that before. All of my talks were these very fact, like I would have stories in there, but they were very fact-based. Like here's a talking point. Here's this thing that happened. Here's a talking point about that. Here's why that matters. And here's why you should care. Um, so, you know, I, I basically, I, I tied it in with this question of, you know, when you're reading like YouTube comment sections and, and Pathios comment sections and Facebook comment sections, Whenever anybody talks about social issues of any kind, the most annoying phrase in the world is, what does any of this have to do with atheism? And it's like, well, the people who are on the receiving end of the negative, the negative things that come from this know what the connection is, right? We know why people are rejected when they come out to their parents as being LGBT, and it's usually because of religion. And so th there's an obvious connection there. And so, you know, I just thought like that would be a perfect way to, to tie things into, uh, you know, why people who are atheists and secular need to be talking about social issues. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that was the story. And, and, and I just thought like, you know, this is something new. It's stepping outside of my comfort zone. I don't know. I don't know if I can pull this off. And I mean, I, I feel like it, it turned out pretty well. I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> 
Um, and I just, I don't know. Like, and, and part of it is just me feeling like I always need to be taking risks um, and, and doing things that I've not done and, um, you know, give myself room to fall flat on my face if it turns out not okay. And so, I mean, I think hearing it, um, it seemed extremely successful because, yeah, it's, I think for anybody to especially get up in front of people or on any platform sort of say, this is me and this is what happened to me, it, it automatically adds this level of humanity to the social issue narrative or to the activist narrative. And, and that's why I absolutely loved what you did. And I, I mean, I was so glad when you made a Facebook post about wanting to talk about storytelling on podcasts because I had <laughs> written a note to myself in my weird little sparkly cat notebook, um, get Callie right to talk about storytelling because she's awesome. But, it, but I think it was obviously successful. And so what was the, was there a good response from people at the conference and afterwards? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I got done giving the talk and I was, I, I was pretty emotional afterwards because I, I mean, that, that's just the kind of person I am. I'm, I'm, I'm super sensitive and I get like emotionally worked up pretty easily. And so by the time the talk was over with, I was pretty worked up. And so like, I just, I grabbed my laptop off, off the podium and I walked down off the stage and, um, the the applause didn't stop and I turned around and everyone was standing and like there's there's a moment I I don't think I left it in the recording but the audio that you're hearing is uh, I actually stuck my phone in my bra <laughs> um, and, and that's how I recorded the audio so believe it or not like if you, if you like that audio that the iPhone audio is that good um, but there's actually a point where you can just hear me start sobbing like I just lost it um, because I mean it obviously touched people and um, and that that's what I you know that's what I want to do because a lot of it has to do with the fact that I can be that deeply personal and vulnerable without risking a lot. Um, you know, I, I I'm not going to tell this story and go home and worry that uh, you know my fiance is going to break up with me, or that my relationship with my parents and my sisters, or my my sister, my brother, and my my mom none of that's going to get hurt. I'm not going to go home and lose my job because of any of that. So part of it is having the privilege to be able to, to, to be that open and vulnerable and not have to worry about the consequences that some other people do. Um, and then the other part of it is just that um, at the end of the day, I'm trying to do two things. I'm trying to advance allyship and I'm trying to make other people in these positions feel like their stories are being told. Um, so even if it's my story being told, they, they know that there is a, a trans person out there telling these stories and that people are listening to them. And um, basically the more per personal and the more vulnerable I get, the more feedback I get saying, wow, that really helped me. That really meant a lot to me. Um, you know, that helped me figure my something about myself out, or that helped me relate to my trans friend better, those kind of things. And so like, if if people are helped by that and I'm not risking anything by it, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I do that? Um, and, uh, and people seem to connect with it. So, um, so yeah, that's, that, that's why I do it. And I think, I think that's a, that's a kind of perfect comparison that you make because it's, it, it is for a lot of people, for me, it wasn't as, I mean, I say coming out as atheists, like to me that it, it wasn't even a, a thing. It wasn't a problem. So I'm, I'm constantly blown away by, 
just how hard it is for when people tell me stories about how like we Natalie and I have, have helped them kind of figure things out on their own in that respect. Uh, that just feels weird, but I, I can't even begin to imagine what it feels like for some for something that's so. Uh, I mean, I guess a- atheist is kind of controversial to, to some people, depending on how far south you go. But <laughs> especially something uh, like LGBTQ issues, like that's just I, I can't imagine what, <laughs> what that feels like having that responsibility or that impact on people in, in such a such a strong way. It's I mean, to, to be honest, sometimes it keeps me up at night because <laughs> I think to myself, like, you know, be, people people are listening to this stuff and people are being affected by it. And, mm-hmm. oh, my God, if I screw this up. Like, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> um, but, I mean, I actually – I had somebody reach out to me and tell me that they were going to play my reason t- my reason con talk for their parents as they're coming out. Like, that's how they were going to come out to their parents as trans was playing my reason con talk. And, I mean, just <laughs> – like, my head exploded, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when I started off, like, I mean, that's the stuff that I want to happen, right? Like that's part of the reason that I do this, but there's always a part of you that thinks like, I'm going to do this. A couple of my friends are going to listen to it. It's Uh never going to go anywhere. Nobody's ever going to care. Nobody's ever going to pay attention. Um, you know, and then, you know, two months after my first episode comes out, I have someone come up to me and tell me that like they and their friends get together at their college LGBT center and listen to my show because a new episode is like a thing for their group of friends. And, um, you know, the, and, and this person's dad tells me that they were struggling with this whole LGBT thing, but my shows helped a lot. Um, you know, just different things like that. Like it's such a, a huge thing. And it's like, um, you know, I, I just, why wouldn't I do that? You know, if, if I can, if I can do more of that. And that's the stuff that keeps me, that's the stuff that keeps me going is like, I tell everybody like, you know, I, I wish like I could show you my email inbox as a, cause you know, people talk about podcasting. Like it's uh you know, they, they dismiss it as, you know, a valid medium, a way to make change, a way to help people, a way to do activism. And I'm like, God, like, you know, anytime I communicate to someone, it's, it's on the assumption that the story stays between me and that person. I don't ever tell people's stories uh, without, their permission mm-hmm. like my god i wish i could show you my email inbox <laughs> you know like like this stuff and and i mean other shows and other podcasts and stuff have done that for me too i mean um you know i i felt a lot more confident and able to talk about atheism listening to matt dillahoney on the, the atheist experience and you know just on and on and on and um so you know I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that kind of thing when somebody does something that really, really means a lot to me. And, uh, it's, it's pretty mind blowing that, um, that, you know, my, that my show does that for other people. Um, you know, you start doing a thing and it's your dream and you just, it's one of those things you don't really, there's, there's a part of you that doesn't believe it's going to happen. And then it starts to happen and it's just, it's nuts. (laughs) Well, and I think you really, you use your, platform in such a fantastic way. I mean, I was thinking about the um, episode that you did um, during Autism Awareness Month. Is it called Autism yeah. Awareness Month? Right. Mm-hmm. But that that episode, just having people on who have autism to talk about it, and you, just, you gave this platform for people to just talk. And I mean, I felt like I learned so much just from listening to that. Yeah. And I'm still getting feedback about that episode. um yeah and uh and i mean you know i mean i had people uh at a convention like walk up to me and hug me crying because um you know they were able to to better connect with other family members uh, because of things that that was that were said in that episode 
And, um, and yeah, it's just one of those things like you hear all kinds of people talking about autism. Most of the time, it's not autistic people talking about it. You know, like you're, you're hearing about that from other people. And I'm like, why wouldn't I have a couple of my autistic friends on? And like, well, why don't you tell us the deal? <laughs> you know, like that just seems like such a sensible thing to do. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it, you know, I knew the, I'm super, that was supposed to be a 20 minute segment and it turned out to be an hour and a half long episode. <laughs> and, uh, and that's one of the things I love about podcasting is, you know, if that was live radio, I would have had to tell him to shut up. You know what I mean? But like, right. Like, you know yeah. what? It's my show. I, I try to keep it to about an hour, but if it goes, if it goes an hour and a half and it has to be an hour and a half, let's do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's where I feel like your show, you know, you have atheist activism, you have LGBTQ activism, but then you also, you have this science literacy that, you know, even just having people on to talk about their experiences with autism, it covers so many bases and I think makes everything very approachable and relatable for a larger group of people. And I think, you know, when we think about science communication and all these different sort of activist places, like could all benefit from a lot more storytelling, a little more feels to go with the facts. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, I, I was listening to, uh, I want to say it was it, uh, a show called On the Wire, which is uh, is basically a show about storytelling, like how to construct good stories and, and that kind of stuff. And they have interviews with all of the the big NPR storytellers like, uh, you know, Ira Glass and Jed Avonrod from Radiolab and all those people. And they had uh, a, an NPR science reporter on. And they were talking about how, um, you know, you can, you can report on science and you can just say, well, here are the facts and like, and that's fascinating. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you really want to capture people's attention, there's gotta be some kind of story in there. And so they were talking about, uh, the story that he had done where, uh, they were talking about, I think it was, uh, the diminishing lion population, uh, somewhere in Africa. And so they were like, well, why don't we talk to a conservationist and ask him how he feels about this kind of stuff? And so it's all of the facts. It's all, here's what's happening, right? These are, these are the facts and this is the science. And then they actually asked an actual person who's in the middle of it to talk about this. And he starts crying. He's like, you know, I love, I love these creatures and they're beautiful. And this is what I spent my life doing. And it's, so it's making a human connection to a story that, you know, you could very well just say like, well, there are 10,000 lions left in this area, blah, blah, blah. There's a breeding program, blah, blah, blah. And it's really boring. And it's like, um, you know, we do have to acknowledge the fact that human beings are human beings, right? And as logical as we often like to think we are, we are very often driven by emotions. And, um, you know, if, if I say something like 25% of trans people feel like they were disrespected at a medical provider's office, that's enough to be like, man, that sucks. That's, that's not good. We don't like that. But if I tell you the story about my friend who thought she was having a heart attack and was turned away from the hospital because her ID, her identity documents didn't match her presentation, that's an entirely different, I'm telling you the same thing. Right. But I'm saying this thing happened to this person. And because you care about other people, you now care about this issue. Um, so, and I think a lot of times that's a connection that gets missed when we talk about uh, social issues or, um, you know, there's just different kinds of things like that. Well, that's even what, how the anti-vax movement has propagated itself so well. And I mean, yes. you got the whole fucking documentaries built around how vaccines cause autism or, I mean, they fucking don't. 
but me saying they fucking don't <laughs> right. doesn't really register as, as strongly and doesn't hit you in that spot that seeing seeing these children who are are not able to behave like a neuro neurotypical child would it doesn't hit you the same as maybe saying you know sh- showing a child that has measles or talking about a child who died because you fucking gave them maple syrup instead of actually taking them to a goddamn doctor <laughs> right yeah, it's the stories that that actually resonate with people, and that's where I think science and science communication needs to catch up a little bit with what the sort of the wooey side of things does, perhaps better than than we do collectively. Is they appeal to the feels and well, and, and maybe I, do better with stories. And, 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 I think and it's you- hard because the the woo people are always giving you good news. Right. Mm-hmm. And and we know that reality doesn't work that way. So yeah. like so it's it, it's hard because, you know, if you know that you think about somebody who's who's dealing with a, a chronic disease, right? Um, science is telling you, hey, the best that we can do is give you some pain meds that might or might not work. Uh where, you know, the woo the woo people can say, Oh no, if you buy this oil, we can fix this for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's not as sexy. So like I, I that's that's a harder thing to overcome, I think. Um but but yeah, I mean, you are right. That's that's something that kind of hit me and I forget who was talked about it this past week and Natalie and I went to Nexus in in New York. Um and when when you tell somebody I'm atheist, God isn't real, I mean, you're telling them facts, but you're also taking something away from them that they enjoy or something that they value and not giving mm-hmm. anything back. And that's the same thing there is you're you're taking something away, like metaphorically, that but without offering any any good news, anything, anything positive in, in return. Yeah, well, and that's a conversation, a really frustrating conversation that I have with uh, members of the atheist community sometimes, because, uh, you know, a lot of times people ask me about, you know, religiosity in the LGBT community. And, um, you know, I I think to myself, I feel like we could talk about I feel like we could talk about that for like five hours, like just the the (laughs) disconnect of how do you not understand these two things don't I I, anyway, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) No, you're fine. Um, But, you know, if I'm sitting in a trans support group and I have this kid saying, well, you know what? I know God loves me and that's the only reason that I'm still alive. I got, I got nothing to say back to that because, because if I convince this kid that God isn't real, I have taken that comfort away from him and not Mm -hmm. provided anything in return. And like, you know, it, Maybe not the most popular thing to say, but I don't think I have done that kid a favor if I've done right. that. I think I have harmed that kid. And and that's a thing that a lot of times I, I don't think people in the movement uh, necessarily understand because there are, there are vital social roles that religion plays that our community has not gotten the ability to create. And there are people who rely on those communities, not not just for emotional support, but I mean, just like basic stuff like, you know, I wouldn't have dinner if I didn't go to church to get this meal mm. and hear the sermon kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I think it's it, it's it's more nuanced a lot of times than, than a lot of people would like to think, um, you know, I'm never afraid to talk about you know, atheism or skepticism or any of that kind of stuff. I will have that conversation with anyone who's interested in having it with me. Um, but you know, I'm also, I can't look at a kid who tells me something like that and then go out of my way to be like, well, too bad. God's not real jackass. You know what I mean? Like that's just, you've done nothing <laughs> right. for that 
that kid who like is holding on to something. Right. That. Yeah. 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 And I, and so, yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm a lot more sympathetic to it um, because, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like a lot of times people who are religious, who are members of any marginalized community, really, uh, a, a lot of times religion is like the main source of, of whatever sort of emotional comfort they have. And um, I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I can't necessarily blame them for that. Um, and, and so like, it, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing to walk. Um, you know, I, I imagined getting into uh, LGBT activism in my local community that there would be a lot of, I'm religious, but I also understand this dynamic about, you know, the religious people and hurting gay people. So like, if you're pissed at God, I get it. You know, like I I figured there would be a lot of a very sort of non-aggressive, non-proselytizing version of of Christianity, which, and that does exist. Um, But I was shocked at how much of the like very hostile sort of sentiment there is. Um, like I, I was on the planning committee for, uh, an event, uh, the trans day of remembrance, which is, uh, a day every year where we remember members of the trans community who were murdered. And, uh, you know, they had this, this sample program made up and it was exclusively Christian. And I said, um, it actually, it was somebody else in the group who spoke up and was like, you know, not to put too fine a point on it or anything like, but this looks pretty Christian. And like a lot of people in our community are not. And, uh, and we were like, you know, there's, there's this interfaith pride committee that's made up of affirming clergy from like a bunch of different places in Christianity and, uh, and, and Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and like, you know, almost every sort of religious perspective is represented. And so like, if we're really trying to represent our community, why wouldn't we get them involved? So we're being inclusive of what our community actually looks like, um, because, if you look at the statistic, about half of the LGBT community as a whole is non-religious. So, you know, by talking about an exclusively Christian viewpoint, you're immediately alienating literally half of the community. And, um, and, and I w- I've never been able to find numbers on the trans community specifically, but I have to believe that number is probably higher in the trans community. Oh, no doubt. Um, and it was, the, it was one of the most hostile face-to-face conversations I've ever had in my entire life. Um, I mean, it got to the point of yelling. And yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm the atheist in the room arguing that there should be more religious inclusion. And I thought that might hold some more weight, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the only reason, and I was completely unsuccessful in arguing for that. Um, the only uh, consolation that was that I gave the keynote that year. So like I made sure to like give a wink and a nod to the, to the non-believers in the room um, and some other not so, not so subtle jabs at people <laughs> who decided not to be inclusive at an event that's supposed to be about the entire community. <laughs> But you know, because I'm, I'm not petty or angry or anything like that. It's fine. <laughs> nothing, nothing like that. No. Yeah. I mean, we, we absolutely are, so we're okay with it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> just, just laying our cards on the table, Broadbent. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. We're, well, we're just and, and, we're the worst, clearly. You know, and and that really got me thinking because I was I was thinking to myself as I say these things because basically what I did was uh, I, I sort of set up this thing where it was like you know there, we don't have a lot of control about what the outside world does you know we can you know we can we can push and we can do our activism and we can fight and and we're gonna get these incremental changes and I was like while we're doing that why don't we take a look at ourselves as well and so I sort of went through the list and I was like basically a fancy way of saying like. Are we treating disabled people like crap? Are we treating people of color like crap? Are we, you know, so on and so forth. 
And like all of the people who were doing the things I was talking about were in the crowd like, yeah, 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 we should be, we should be doing better. Yeah. yeah like completely not realizing that I was talking about that because in their minds, <laughs> yeah. they were being perfectly inclusive to everyone when it was like, that was very directly a call out of the fact that you weren't being <laughs> inclusive. So yeah, those were the people that you were addressing. (laughs) Right. I think they were all over the head, just not even getting it. Yeah, they were all cheering in agreement. It was great. I think that that kind of speaks to something you said earlier on, where we we like to, as atheists or secular, however you choose to identify, we like to think of ourselves as more rational, as less susceptible to any sort of logical fallacy or any bias. Like that when we're absolutely just as susceptible to that and perhaps even more so because we think we're better than that or we know what to look for, what to listen for, what to watch for if we get ourselves in a situation like that. Yep. <laughs> That's yeah. I, and I see that yeah. all the time in it. Cause you know, you read all the time. It's like, no, being aware of your cognitive bias doesn't make you less prone to it. Like right. that, that's been pretty definitively shown in all the studies of these concepts. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's a hard thing to navigate because I mean, I even catch myself like, no, I am being skeptical. And this is what, this is, this is the real facts. I'm not being emotional here, but it's like, again, like, you know, all, all I can do is, is do my best. I mean, that's all any of us can do really. But, um, but I think you are right that there's some, there's some uh, merit to the idea that like the more convinced you are that you're being completely objective, the less likely you are to be actually being that way. I think that's, I think that's probably accurate. And now you have and a description so- of the foundation of my anxiety. Yeah. You're laughing. So I'm I, not laughing. We're, <laughs> right. No, not laughing. No, <laughs> like, no. For real. Though. But I guess so, I guess all that like anybody can really do is continue to have the like have as many conversations as possible about these things and tell as many stories around these issues as possible and try to try to make connections wherever we could and and I feel like your I mean your new show query if we can talk about that a little bit yeah. just because that it that is feels like a very pure storytelling show where you are mm-hmm. you're inviting people on to tell their stories and it's fantastic and has definitely made me cry because it's <laughs> like, can we just can we just shout out to marissa and aiden because their oh, totally <laughs> their love story episode is jesus fucking christ right. like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous and beautiful and everything so can you talk about query how you got the idea and just just talk about that show fantastic yeah speaking of religiosity in the lgbt community that was actually kind of what sparked the idea because i had a friend uh we were just we were just talking and she's christian and she's bisexual and she's afraid to come out uh because of the the community that she's in she's afraid of you know the the harm it's going to do to her friends and to the band that she's in and um because they they kind of run in that scene and um and i thought like god that's a really important story to tell and i was like i wonder if that would make sense to do on the atheist manifesto and i was like no like it's an atheist podcast that's not really a story to tell there um because the the last thing that i want to do is take my friend's struggle and use it as a cudgel to bash their beliefs you know what i mean um and and so i was thinking like but god that's still a really important story to tell um, and then I remember that I also had a friend who uh, is, is no longer Christian, but was for the majority of her life. And, um, and, and so that just kind of got me thinking about, you know, sort of growing up Christian and being in the closet and what that would be like. And, um, 
and and, and I kind of shelved the idea because I was like, that just I, that's not a topic for Atheist Manifesto. It's you know the we're an atheist show, and um, and and I don't remember exactly how the the idea popped into my head, but I just you know I, I was thinking about you know storytelling and um how I, I wanted to kind of branch out and tell more stories like that of um. Because again, like you said earlier about humanizing the experience and that's what storytelling does. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it sort of scratches this other itch of mine because the Gaytheist Manifesto is obviously very much an activist show. Um, and, and I like, I try to use storytelling as a tool for that, but the primary focus focus of Gaytheist Manifesto is activism and, and education and advocacy and that kind of stuff. And I thought, how cool would it be to do a story that is just storytelling and obviously, like those stories can sometimes illustrate broader points about social issues, about uh, you know access to healthcare, or you know those kinds of things. But the the focus of the story isn't going to be this thing happened, therefore trans healthcare. It's just this thing happened. This is how this person dealt with it. This is their journey, and then kind of let trust people enough to take it from there. And, um, and, and I've always been a fan of shows like this American life and radio lab and, uh, and the, the sort of NPR storytelling shows. And, um, and I just thought like, you know, I want to, I want to give, I want to give that, give a shot to that. I want to, I want to try my hand at that. And, uh, and, and so I interviewed, um, the, the two folks who were on the first episode, uh, just sort of as a trial, like, let's just see what happens. And cause I mean, those interviews, I think I probably did those interviews five or six months ago. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I, I thought the interviews were great and, uh, and, and I was really proud of the episode that came out. I was like, I feel like this is an important story being told here. And, um, and, and so I just thought like, this is something that, this is something that I have to do. It, it, it's, um, somebody who is religious might call it their calling. Uh, I don't call it that because I actually don't think that there's anything like spiritual or supernatural about it. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, who I am as a person is very well suited to, to this sort of, of storytelling and this sort of, uh, this sort of media, if that makes sense. And so the idea is that, um, if you listen to shows about trans people or about queer people, most of the time their queerness or their transness is the story. So it's, you know, here's the story of me coming out or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not that those stories aren't important because of course they're important, but those are the only stories we ever hear. And so, you know, that, that sort of down the line leads to the idea of like, well, if you're a queer or trans, that obviously is the most important thing about your life. Like, like that is your story. And that's not true. You know, I mean, and that's funny coming from someone who's, life is dedicated to activism surrounding trans issues. But, um, but I just thought it would be really cool to tell a story, to tell stories about queer and trans people that are sometimes they're about things like, um, you know, Marissa and Aiden's story, for example, is partially about their coming out and partially about their being trans, but it's also just a really adorable love story. Right. Um, and, uh, the, one of the last episodes that we put out was, uh, so with my friend Brandy, who, uh, was utterly failed by the healthcare system and ended up performing surgery on herself. Um, you know, so these are all life stories that it's not necessarily like, well, I knew something was wrong from birth and yeah. I liked girls clothes and I liked playing with Barbies and I came like, again, like, and, and I don't mean to talk derisively about stories like that, but that, that's all you ever hear. And so I thought a cool counterpoint to that would be like, well, here is an actual queer and trans person telling these people's stories. And because, because this is the world that I live in, 
I'm not prone to sensationalizing. <laughs> um, you know, I did uh, an interview that uh, that will be on an episode upcoming with uh, a minister who is trans, and um, she actually left the church initially because of being trans because she didn't feel welcome, and then eventually came back to the ministry. And like most of the time, when queer and trans people leave religion, they don't go back. And so that's an interesting story to me, even if. I'm an atheist and I, I don't, I don't get it. If we're trying to understand the lives of queer and trans people, and we're trying to see the world through that lens. That's an interesting and important story to tell. And so, um, and so obviously the, the stories are not necessarily, uh, atheist based. Some of them are, are stories, uh, with and about religious people, um, uh, because, because that is part of the fabric of who we are. Uh, you know, I, I'm an atheist and I wish, most people were atheists, but like, that's not the world we live in. Right. And so the idea is to, to normalize things. And, uh, and, and again, in all of these stories, people who aren't queer, people who aren't trans will hear parts of themselves and, and they'll hear that like, Oh man, I remember, you know, like, uh, we talk about like how Marissa or how Aiden proposed to Marissa you know, people are like, oh gosh, my, my, you know, my partner did this really silly thing once too. And it was really awkward. And now all of a sudden you feel, you feel an emotional connection to a queer and trans person where you may not have anyone in your life that you know is queer or trans and you feel that connection. So you're more likely to care. And, um, and, and so it's almost it's, like they're people too. Almost. Right. It's weird, you know? <laughs> And, and that's, that's really when it comes down to it. That's kind of the problem that I'm trying to solve with the show is, you know, trans people are not their transness and queer people are not their queerness. Like it's part of our lives, obviously. And, and it affects the way that we navigate the world because I mean, we know the world we live in and, um, you know, to varying degrees, depending on where you live, it can be a pretty hostile place to be queer or trans. So like those things are important. But they're not the entirety of who we are. And for a lot of us, it's not the most important thing about who we are. And um, so just just normalizing it as a concept uh, is important. And so that's that's sort of the subtext for all of the stories that I try to tell on Query. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, that's never my first uh, my first thought, my first thought is always like, well, this is a really interesting story. And I think it could be really compelling to hear this for other people. Um, but, uh, but, but there's always sort of that undercurrent of like, well, this is, this is another, you know, another stitch in the fabric of queer and trans life and people who hear this will understand a little better. Well, and it's the, it's about the human experience and it's like, there are just mm -hmm. universal things that I think, you know, bring us all together, whether it's love or struggle or just, yeah, living life. And so what, <laughs> right. you, so what you're doing, it, it unites people based on, honestly, on the feels and on some really great stories. And so I think, I mean, fantastic concept because I think it can resonate with so many different people. And again, you're giving a platform to, to people who have interesting stories to tell. And yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. there's, there's, almost kind of a mystical quality to the idea of storytelling. And again, like I hate talking in those terms. Like it always makes me feel skeezy to say things like that because it's, you know, because like it's not like, supernatural, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it is that sort of transcendent feeling when you make a connection with someone like that. Like I, I really honestly believe that uh, some of the most valuable things that we have to share with other people are our stories. 
um, I'll give you a really great example of this. I went to Alabama a couple of weeks ago to do a couple of interviews. And one of the folks that I interviewed with, uh, basically it was the story of him getting married and then losing his partner in a car accident and, um, sort of intertwined with some legal action and stuff. I won't, I won't give the, the entire plot away, but I, um, we went over to his house and he made some popcorn for us and we drank wine and talked a little bit before we started recording. Cause I always like to, cause somebody that I'd met before, but didn't know super well. Um, so I always like to sit down and just talk with people so that they can get to know me, get comfortable with me and that kind of stuff beforehand. And, um, so after a couple of minutes, I'm like, okay, like, you know, start pulling out my recorder and my mics and stuff. And I'm like, you ready to, you ready, ready to go? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. Give me just a second. I'm going to go grab a couple of things. Okay, fine. So, he leaves the room and he comes back and he's got his arms full of picture frames and he sets all these picture frames down in front of me and they're all pictures of him and his husband. And he hands me this stack of papers that are all these little observations he had written about, uh, after his, uh, after his husband passed, um, you know, things like I tried to clean out your side of the closet today and I couldn't do it. Or, um, I couldn't take your toothbrush off this, off the bathroom sink, you know, things like that. And, and I'm, I'm looking at the pictures of them two together and he's telling me these stories and I'm just thinking like, th- there is nothing more valuable a person could give me than a story, uh, it, especially one that's that hard and, and that visceral and that tragic, um, that, that's, that's, that's a level of trust that is something that it's, it, it's the most important thing in the world to me, that, that kind of trust and that kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm handing you this thing. That's like one of the most vulnerable and hard parts of my life. And I'm trusting you to do the right thing with it. Um, and, and that's, you know, th- that's a lot of that is what I get out of it is, is, you know, making those connections with other people and, and you know, knowing that this person trusts me to do, you know, to do like, this is going out in public, right? If I screw it up, then I've dishonored their story and I've done them a disservice and I've, I've done them harm. And that's something that I take incredibly seriously. And, um, and, and so he's now sharing this with me and, um, you know, the same talking to that minister, you know, the, one of the first questions she asked me is like, can I hear your show somewhere? Because I'm really afraid that you're just going to sensationalize things. Cause I guess she'd had some bad experiences with people in the media, um, and I was like, no, like I'm, I'm trans People too. On I'm the internet too. be mean. <laughs> right. Believe it or wow. not, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and, and so it's just, it, to me, it's such a radical act of, of trust and vulnerability. Um, and that's like, and, and I just, I feed off of that. That's on a personal level. That's what I get from it. That fulfills me. Um, and, and, and I think that comes through in the interviews that we do. That's why I insist, um, the interview that I did with Brandy wasn't in person because she lives in Kansas city and I just couldn't make it out there. Um, but that's why I insist as much as possible, those interviews are done in person and I would rather spend the money and travel to talk to this person because there's a connection that happens there that you just can't get over the internet. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's me rambling for a really long time about this new obsession of mine. (laughs) No. And it's, I mean, I think that people should be happy that this is your obsession because you're putting something really, valuable out into the world and yeah it's a it's an important thing i think to tell the stories now to we're gonna move like in a minute move on to doing like a little good news segment and we'll talk about that in a sec but i but something that i'm curious about as we wrap up this part about you i know we we both really like music a lot (laughs) and i feel like music is one of those things that helps tell somebody's story so i'm just curious for you 
what are some of the either albums or songs or artists that would that tell your story? <sighs> well, I, I would say the biggest uh, the, the biggest one is a, a song called "The Last Lost Continent" by the band Law Dispute, and um, it's actually it's the tattoo that I have across my chest that um, I don't know if you can. Like you can kind of see it on the. What it, what does it say? <laughs> it says it says I made a throne for hope to sit, and um and and so basically the song is uh, it it's sort of a, a dissertation on uh, shared struggle and taking bad things and doing what you can to make them into good things, and uh, the the first verse of the song is the the lyricist sort of at least this is my interpretation of it is him sort of personifying all of these things that he struggles with into this monster that, um, you know, that feeds off of his friends and his family. And, and, and it's about him basically tearing this thing apart and using its bones and its blood to build this, to build a foundation for this thing, for this awesome thing to sit on top of. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the impact line. I made a throne for hope to sit and uh and through all the worst times of my life that it's a 13 minute long song through all the worst times of my life i I literally i had that song on repeat and um and so that's why i decided to get um that's why i decided to get that line tattooed across my chest um and uh aside from that all of law dispute is like that for me um if, if if just if you listen to the lyrics, he's one of the best. He's one of the best wordsmiths there is. Like it's absolutely incredible the way that he words things and the way that he puts things together. And they're also apparently an amazing group of people. They they printed a line of anti HB two T shirts for their tour dates in North Carolina, <laughs> and then donated all the money to a grassroots LGBT organization in North Carolina, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then aside from that, like I'm an emo kid. So yeah. like, oh, me, uh, me too. I know. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> like, dashboard confessional, Jimmy Eat World. Um, <laughs> um, I've been listening to so much Motion City soundtrack lately. Yeah, Bayside's I, another big one for me. Bayside, um, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and it, I also, yeah. I, I grew up, yeah, and I also grew up on a lot of like hardcore and metal stuff. Um, not so much that anymore, just because. I'm going to be that old person that just says like the stuff that's coming out now is just kind of boring to me. Like it all sounds, it all sounds the same. Um, which is like, I know, like I, I feel dirty saying that because like my mom said the same stuff about all the hardcore that I listen to. I'm like, no, it's very different. Um, it's like, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so, uh, so a, a lot of that stuff. Uh, but, but mostly like if music that I feel like tells my story is um stuff like La Dispute and Thrice. Thrice is another big one. Uh I'm a huge, huge Thrice fan. Um so all of all of that stuff put together. Those are all those are all big things for me. All stuff. Yeah, I was just curious. So all right, so before we move on, where can people find you on the internet? All the places. Um, Plug your stuff. <laughs> um <laughs> so uh you can find the Gaytheist Manifesto or podcast. Um, it's uh, just the Gaytheist Manifesto. You can find it on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, same for Query. It's Q-U-E-E-R-Y um, at Gaytheist Callie on Twitter and Callie Wright on Facebook.
Okay, so instead of talking about meme pages this week for Why We Love the Internet, we are stealing a page from the Gatheist Manifesto playbook and doing our own good news segment. Um, because sometimes the world is kind of like this never-ending dumpster fire, but <laughs> we can we can share some good news. And, I, and I'm going to give you, because Callie, you know this, I have a little story about your good news episode that I, I have shared yes. with you before. Um, so yes. I figure might as well share it because it's it is the power of podcasting and people and all of this stuff. Um, you did a good news episode back. I think it. I feel like it was post inauguration, like around January or something. You guys did a good news episode in the mm-hmm. winter, um, which I happened to listen to one day while I was just doing some laundry, whatever. And I'm listening to this episode. I'm listening to all of these people. Are you sharing the? really cool stuff that's happening in people's lives, whether it's, I don't know, like stuff about their pets or stuff about being in love mm-hmm. or whatever. But it was the it was the love stuff that got to me, you guys talking. At that point in my life, I was I was feeling some feels for somebody. And um, your show inspired me to actively pursue that. And even though, you know, life life has, you know, taken some turns, you and that episode and the fact that you put that goodness out into the world is part of my story from now on. And it's, it means a lot. So I love that you do that. That's incredible. I love that you do it. And, that's yeah. incredible. And, and, yeah. and you know, and, and that's why we do it. I, yeah. I, there, I, I think there's power in, in sharing good news. Cause, um, obviously lately, a lot of us really just need to be reminded that good things can and still do happen yes. in the world. Like it, it yes. sounds like a, like, well, duh, of course, good things are happening. But again, like to actually hear like, no, I am a person and this is something awesome that happened to me. Like, I, I think, I think there's power in that. And, um, and I was, that's I think probably still one of the best ideas for the show that's ever been. I, 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 and I think it was one of those things where I was just like, like, man, I feel like crap. Like, let's just talk about something good on the show. And I was like, we need to make this a regular thing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's impactful. And, and really sometimes because we, we forget that, that the good is continuing to exist and sometimes it can be a little contagious and infectious and just sharing that, I think, is fantastic and it did make a really important impact on me so that's that's amazing so yeah so thank you um so we so we have some good news from our friends because i i asked them to share good news so like, you know, i i promise i will try yeah. to not fuck this up and like say don't fuck it up <laughs> like you know, no you're no we're the pressure we're, is we're on friend. That'll, that'll, yeah, be, so, that'll be the good news for yeah. me is i am not the good news is he's not gonna fuck up on that's it right yeah so so all right so rohan got married which is awesome and he is almost ready to he says publish a kick-ass paper on immunotherapy so we've got smart friends that rules that's awesome um Callie, you want to do Trav's? Yes, Trav's Genderqueer 101 talk was a hit at the American Humanist Association conference, and of course, because Trav is awesome, I uh, I'm a really I'm, I'm legitimately really excited to see the video of this talk because it's their first talk. They were really excited about it, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm legitimately like really excited to see the video of that when it, when they put it up. Yeah, I am too. Uh, Dan, do you want to do Nathan's in a nice way? Oh, I have to. I have <laughs> in, to a, in a nice way. <laughs> Uh, you, have to, you have to go to the Google Doc. <laughs> no, I, I have it here. I'm just doing the the other thousand things I have to do, uh, and making sure people aren't saying awful things. Uh, Nathan no, awful. has the best group, <laughs> right? Nathan has the best group of online <laughs> friends, and it, in parentheses it says, "Aw." 
that was uh, me. That was that's, my that's, insertion. Aw, yeah. It's not what I would say. I wouldn't say aw. I'd say man up or something uh, heteronormative. No. Uh, trolling with logic <laughs> now has an editor plus someone to compose theme music. Like, why don't we have an editor or somebody? See, this is me shitting on things. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and <Got> he <laughs> just received an offer from a publisher to turn a paper he wrote into it about New Age Woo into a short book. So, oh, so Nathan, and, and again, it's on, awesome. it's on yeah. the on the dock. It says, "Fuck yeah, Nathan." See, yeah, this, this is me. This is me doing that. Yeah, and you can so, see you can, oh, if you're okay. watching the video, you can see me fidgeting. Oh. I'm uncomfortable right now. You're uncomfortable with happiness. <laughs> Dan is uncomfortable with happiness. I am. And, oh my goodness, buddy! All right, so Marissa, um, who we have already talked about in this episode, at this point of recording, is just a week away from her 100th episode show with Callie as a guest, and like, there's fuck ton of other awesome people right like yes lots be there yeah so and the 100th that, what yeah. you know, oh i was it wasn't i i listened to her on scathing and isn't that like a combo like show wedding or something or wedding. am i just making it's this up she had, it's, it's at the place where she had her wedding though right oh, I okay think. yeah yeah it, it's, it's, it's yeah. yeah gotcha yeah and also her one but year anniversary. That's, yes, that's, it is, it is a special <laughs> anniversary. Um, yes. Falls one day after her starting um, HRT. So that's awesome. Um, Dan, do you want to do the next one? Because it, it's about me. <laughs> I said, I said, my girlfriend <laughs> and, and I have you in our lives. We also have you coming. This is, I, I honestly have no idea when this episode is going to air. It doesn't uh, matter. So it'll be, it'll, uh, it'll be a month from now, I'm sure. Uh, and in the future, <laughs> the past has already occurred. But time's a flat uh, circle. It's okay. We're gonna we <laughs> hung out with you all last weekend. We're gonna hang out with you're gonna come here and like stay at our house uh here. But also like she moved in with me what two to three weeks ago and Your she hasn't yeah. yeah, and she hasn't uh hasn't moved out yet. So yeah. there's your good news, buddy. There it is. Yay. Yeah, I ha- I there's haven't I haven't sabotaged this relationship yet, but you know, give it time. Dan, Dan, ha- Dan has good an news, awesome, Dan. Good news, Dan. awesome girlfriend. <laughs> Emily, you are Dan's good news. Stay around. You make him a she better person. She doesn't listen to the show. I she love doesn't you. listen to the show. Well, I'll have her listen to this one because I'll tell her I, I boosted her ego. So, so yay, Emily. And yay for both of you for having me in your lives. I mean, yeah. Literally, it's awesome. Um, all right, Callie, do you want to do the next one about Jeff? Yes. Jeff is making... Yeah, Jeff is making his first solo road trip to see a certain pair of podcasters do their first ever live show. Hooray! Road trips, road trips are fun. Oh, that's us. Well, he's, he's he's coming to stay with with us too. So I should say for most people, road trips are fun. I know some people they hate are. Them, I love road but... trips. <laughs> um, so then we have Mel, who is, her husband is getting a PTSD service dog. That's so, awesome. So that is awesome. I'm. Really happy for for Mel and her husband Adam. Do we know what breed of dog it is? Is it a pug? Is what I'm trying to get at. I'm going to guess it's not a pug. (laughs) If it's a pug, it's a pug. I'm going to protest it. (laughs) Eli would not protest it. I don't think I've ever seen a pug service dog, but I I guess they could be. They probably could be, but I'm guessing no. They they have enough trouble like breathing. I gotta say that a pug a pug as a service dog would be the worst thing because it would it would give everybody anxiety because it constantly sounds like it's dying because it mine doesn't mine doesn't mine doesn't. All right, Dan, Dan, do the next one. Hashtag not my dog. Do the next one, Dan. <laughs> oh, I was about to read Mel's again. Uh, we can repeat Mel's if if we need. James is on a two week staycation and is stoked to have Callie appear on Tzuh. 
TSE. TSE. Oh, TSE. TSE. Gotcha. Yeah. Note, James yeah. has been telling me for ages to get Callie on. Well, telling Natalie because yes. Natalie wrote the notes me. here. Because I write the notes. And yes, our James, <laughs> who is our friend and has listened to our show since the beginning. We're sorry, James, that you've listened to this many episodes. But he has been, he's been saying, <laughs> you've got to get Callie. You've got to get Callie. So, like, well, thanks, James. I appreciate that. Yes. Loves you, and so do we. Um, we, we talked. We th- I think we talked about the talked about that before because I saw Callie. I saw you talk at the Ark protest almost a year ago to the day. Uh, yeah, down in uh, wherever the hell is Stan that was. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati, I, where I live. <laughs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Well, yeah. no, I, I I was thinking. Yeah, there was, at, it was at University right? of Cincinnati. It was at oh, University of Cincinnati, oh, yeah. but it was. Right. I was thinking Williamstown. Uh, oh was, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went went, uh, went a bit north for the uh, for the yeah, for the rally. Cincinnati is okay. Yeah. I've no outside of like how fucked up the interstate system is there. Anyway, this is me getting negative. Yeah, just be positive. Yeah, um, and just so, fix yeah, your so, shit is so what stop, I'm saying. Stop. Right. All right. So Kelly, <laughs> you had a couple friends um, comment on your post. So Daniel was one of them. So you want to yes. give his good news? Daniel said, I just bought the house that was my dad's house that was grandma's before that. It means my retired dad doesn't have to worry about a place to live for the rest of his life. Wow. Oh, I can only amazing. imagine what a relief that is. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, that's got to be so much stress gone. <laughs> um, and then John, my cat Leo, has been sick for a while. A few weeks ago, he was 12.4 pounds when the vet wants him at 14. Monday, I took him to be weighed and he's back up to 13.8. Yay! Yay. Yay, John. And, yay, and that's awesome. Yay, John. That's awesome. Yes. Callie, do you have any we good news to babies. share for yourself? <laughs> yeah. Just had a bit of a snafu with my surgery <laughs> yeah. that got that got fixed. Um, it's a, a really, really long story that would be really boring to tell the details of on a podcast. But um, the, the long and short of it is basically I thought I was going to have to spend a whole bunch of money on uh, changing plane tickets and recovery accommodations for my uh, for my bottom surgery. And uh, the office finally worked that out to where that's not a thing anymore. So that is uh, that is my good news for the day. <laughs> that's Really amazing, good news, and I am glad that you received that before we started Thank doing you. this tonight. Yes, and I literally I guess, got off yeah. the phone twenty minutes before we got on before we got on this call here. So yeah. it was yes. So awesome! Congratulations, you are. Thank you. You are very close to a really yeah. life changing so experience. So, so close. you're yes, and so I guess to wrap up our good news, um, I'm just really stoked that Dan, we get to do this, Callie, that you got to join us for this because what you do means a lot to me and thank you both for doing this. Well, thank you. I appreciate Aww. that. I'm, I'm really glad. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right. So that's, that's it. Oh, that's it. We We're done. Show. We did it. We're done. <laughs> now you can be, now you can be mean. Ending. Now you can be negative. Yeah. That's it. I am. Yeah. I, there were three or four person. times in there where I almost said something and I go, no, Dan, <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that, Dan. Dan, I'm going to make you nice. I'm going to make you so nice when this is all done. Uh, <laughs> and our podcast, well, our podcast is never going to end, but you will be nicer because of me. We, we do that when we're <laughs> recording good news episodes a lot of times. It. It'll be a thousand episodes in. Oh, uh, God damn. Uh, well, this is like 1042. And yeah. <laughs> we do that when we're recording good news, good news episode. Shut up. Good news episode. Good news episode. Shut up. <laughs> Like See, I could, I could do the, I could do the good news all day. I could do right. the, I could do the nice thing all day, buddy. So like, and and you, that, we're, yeah. And that'll be the we thing. Only people other. who watch the video get to get to hear that because I'm going to edit out all the stupid shit that I said in there that was can be somewhat <laughs> negative. So it can be, like, oh wow, he's so positive. No, he's I just so nice. I just added, edited, 
edit, edited. Kelly, thank out. you for doing yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, us. yeah. Thank you. This was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to our episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving five stars on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're rating that lets you give a rate for us because that helps us get our message out there. It tells iTunes or whomever to put us in more ear holes, and that's just great. That's what we need here. Uh, if you really, really like what we do here, you can also throw money at us as it'll help sponsor things like Natalie taking a trip out to do a live show with me like she did this this week uh, here in Indianapolis at Indie PopCon. That episode will be coming out maybe later this week, maybe next week. We're not really sure quite yet. Uh, but if you're a patron, you already got it because we just posted it tonight. And so if your name happens to be Michael or Trevor or Nathan or Alice or Cynthia or Michael or Michael or Magnus or Sav, Hannah or Felix or Chris or James or Sarah or Hostway, I mean, you already have access and you're kind of the best people possible to us because you're giving us gifts of money and that helps us keep the show going. It helps us do cool things like fly Natalie out here and helps us both, you know, go to Nexus like we did this year and meet cool people and make those contacts and get hopefully <laughs> get a little bit better at what we're doing here and, and figure out, first of all, what we're doing in the first place. But if not, that's cool too. We appreciate your continued support, listening, and and all that good stuff. And I don't have anyone, or I guess I don't have a Natalie here, rather, to, to say hit us with a quote of the week. Uh, so I guess I have to do that uh, on my own. And this week I was told by Natalie uh, to, to quote one of the shows that we talked about during our live record at Indie PopCon. Uh, of course, the, the great show, Rick and Morty. Uh, and to, to quote Morty, who's... I guess he's kind of a scientist. He's not by definition a scientist, but you can say uh, he's uh, scientifically minded, skeptic minded, and that's kind of what we talked about uh, during the show is those scientists and skeptics uh, that we see in pop culture may not necessarily think about. Uh, So to quote here, uh, Morty from Rick and Morty, nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's going to die. Watch TV, which is a pretty great message, I think, because really we are all rather inconsequential and life is just what you make out of it yourself. You have to define it yourself through your own experiences, what you find important, what you find valuable. And since I have no podcast partner to kind of bounce this idea off of or really talk to, and so I'm just kind of sitting down here in my downstairs area by myself. Uh, I got two two of my three cats here uh, sitting here looking at me funny, wondering why I'm just sitting here talking to myself uh, with nobody else to listen except for, of course, they don't know that you people are there. But I wanted to just take this opportunity, I guess, to do something that I'm not good at. And I feel incredibly awkward doing it because I know I'm not good at it. And I'm afraid that it never comes across as genuine when I do do it because I have kind of a sarcastic and, I know, smart-assy personality. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to, first of all, you guys, without, without you putting us in your ear holes every week listening to me kind of ramble on here right now we would have no real reason to do this we wouldn't have anybody listening to us or talking about us or you know especially our patrons throwing money at us uh, or or even our non-patrons uh through the through the ads that that we have on here uh, so i mean you know thank you for that that's just fantastic that you guys do that but also natalie for doing this with me for 
gosh, uh, I guess almost 14 months now, uh, which seems so... It seems like we, we haven't been doing it for that long. And I promise eventually we're going to figure out what we're doing <laughs> and how to do it better. Uh, I feel like we're, we're getting a lot better as we continue to do it and as we meet more people, as we get more opportunities like what we had last week when we b- both went to Nexus. Uh, this past week, whenever we did the live record at Indie PopCon uh, and our, to our patrons, you know, thank you so much because you were uh, able to, we were able to fly Natalie in to do that show because of your, your supports like directly because of that uh, since you know we're both pretty poor um, but also thank you so much to uh, my wonderful girlfriend uh, Emily who is upstairs taking a nap right now but she's she's been so supportive of me and just she doesn't know uh, what she's done and what she means to me and, and uh, maybe she'll figure it out sometime hopefully uh, but also Natalie of course uh, just for being awesome and of course our now I guess now executive producer we promoted her today this afternoon uh, our executive producer uh, Alice Seishan without her guidance and input and, and help in kind of forming our, our voice and direction and pitching guests for our show and telling us who we need to kind of track out and, and try to hunt down <laughs> as guests uh, we would probably have a, a very boring show here that not a lot of you would listen to and so with her help you, you as listeners especially our patrons we love you guys uh, Natalie I absolutely love Natalie and adore her and of course my my girlfriend Emily uh, who's been such a just a tremendous uh, help and just it's it's, it's just really overwhelming <laughs> for me, especially as somebody who doesn't process emotion uh, very easily, uh, very well. It's it's uh, sometimes it's a bit forced. I have to force myself to, to feel feelings, but uh, it's it's been tough, uh, <laughs> especially this last month. Seeing all my friends that I normally just talk to online, actually getting to hang out with them and maybe staying out until three or four or five or six in the morning uh, <laughs> with them in, in Manhattan. Uh, and it's it's just overwhelming and to to feel all these things and i just want to say thank you all of you so much um, i don't deserve it natalie uh i know agrees with me that sh- uh, we don't <laughs> we don't deserve it. at least she will say at least she agrees that i don't deserve it uh, deserve it maybe some of you do too but uh, yet here we are yet uh, yet we persist so <laughs> thank you so much and uh, you know here's to another uh, whatever 57 58 episodes or 100 more or a thou- for a thousand years a thousand years Dan and Natalie Dan and Natalie for a thousand years Natalie and Dan a thousand years Dan and <laughs> the music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission you can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC. All rights reserved. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.